This is the Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is the Humarian Health Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. This is Dr. Sean Benzinger. Uh, my co-host, co-host uh, Amy Baker, is not able to make it today, but we're going to pour on and do our best. And we're here today with the author of I Used to Have Cancer, How I find, Found My Own uh, Way Back to Health, uh, Mr. James Templeton. So, uh, Mr. Templeton, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Sean. It's nice to be with you today. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to discuss all this because um, cancer is very personal. And um, it sounds like uh, back in your 30s, you were a relatively healthy young man and um, were facing a shock, uh, something you had to really deal with. So tell us a little bit about the background that got us to this point. Well, you know, I was living in Texas back in those days, and I was a successful young businessman, and I had a wife, and I had a little girl that wasn't even two years old yet, mm-hmm. and I thought that everything was going great for me. I was even in tip-top physical fitness shape. I ran. I was one of these fitness fanatics that ran all the time, and you would see me running down the road everywhere, you nearly in town that you'd drive down the road, you'd see me running. <laughs> so I was very fit, and, and I thought I was, you know, kind of had life by the tail, and the reason that I was uh, running and so much and exercising and working out so much is because my father and my grandfather both died of heart disease at a very young age. My mm. father at 46 and my grandfather at 36. And of course, I never got to know him because of wow, that. Wow. So I thought that, you know, when my father died, when I was 17 years old in high school, that it kind of really, really got to me in a way that I got to thinking I probably wouldn't live past 30. And uh, if if they died so young, then then I probably better start to live it up and enjoy life a little bit. But long story short, I ended up getting married, settled down got into business and became successful. And and uh, I guess you can say that I was living the American dream. And uh, one day I went into the office and I sat down to read the morning paper. And I looked at this, uh, this uh, headline and it said, running guru, Jim Fix dies mm. of a heart attack while jogging, you know, and I remember that. I remember that. Yes, and and I was a big fan of his and he was somebody that I looked up to and I always uh thought that if he could do this and and sidestep a heart attack or heart issues, then why couldn't I? So I got into running, you know, was one of the main reasons, not totally, but because of Jim Fix. Mm-hmm. And when I read this article, It just blew me away, and I thought that, you know, I better reconfigure what I've been doing, and maybe I should go get some kind of a checkup and a stress test, one of these cardio stress tests. Yeah, sure. So that's exactly what I did. I went down, and I went to a specialist there in town. He was an uh, internal medicine doctor that did this. I was living in a small town, and a relatively small town. So I go in to get this test and the guy gets me on the doctor, gets me on this, on this, uh, treadmill. 
and uh, test. And he says, oh, my goodness. He says, you're in tremendous shape. He says, I think you broke the record on the treadmill test. He said, I don't think anybody's ever done this well. He said, you are the picture of health. Your your, uh, heart's in great condition. I don't see any issues at all. And he said, uh, you know, I think you're going to go a long time. So, you know, keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. And then he finally, at the last part of the uh, examination, he says, you know, there's only one thing I can find uh, with you that I think you might want to just look into. There's probably nothing to it. Probably won't amount to anything, but there's a mole on your back. He says, it looks a little suspicious to me, like just different, you know, it's mm-hmm. like kind of looks strange. He said, you might want to get it checked out. But he said, again, I don't think it's anything. It's just, but, but be safe and go get it checked out. So I didn't think much about it. And a few weeks later, I went into a dermatologist and had him look at it. And when he looked at it right off the bat, he says, oh, my gosh, he says, I think you have melanoma. And he went on about the melanoma and about how how deadly it could be and all that, and it scared the heck out of me. Sure. And uh, mostly after you knew like, you had a great heart. Yeah, I had a great heart. I had everything <laughs> going for me. I had, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything a young man could could pretty much want. And all of a sudden, now I this guy thinks I have melanoma, and I didn't know much about melanoma back then, but. I knew that it wasn't a a, a nice sounding word, no. and I'd heard about people that had moles that that turned cancerous and and uh, they they lose their life over it. Some people and I I just remember that right off. So I got very very you know uh, frightened you know and 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 I just did not know what I was going to do next. And I told the doctor I would get back to him. And I didn't care for his bedside manner, mm-hmm. and uh, I just felt that I needed to to uh, look further. So I went to get another exam from another dermatologist that I had been to in the past. And he looks at it and he says, "Well, it looks suspicious to me," but he said, "You know, let's. I, I'm going to send you over to a friend of mine that is a world-renowned oncologist." Hmm. And he said, this guy's going to know, if anybody, what it is, and he'll be the guy you want to go to if you have, if you had to do anything. Okay. And uh, so I went down to him. He looked at it, and he says, well, it looks suspicious to me. And he says, uh, but there's only one way to know. Let's just take it out. We'll take it out right here in, in the office. He said, I'll just take a big plug out of your back here, and we'll, we'll uh, you know, send it into the lab and see exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So he took a big, you know, probably two inch square plug out of my back. Or maybe not. It seemed like that. But he sent it off to the lab and and uh, he told me to go home and not to worry. And he said, you know, and uh, hopefully it'll be OK. So I went home and all I did was worry, of course. I couldn't course. sleep. And, you know, you Tell know somebody not to worry. Gonna... They're going to worry. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I absolutely worried and paced the floor and all that. And it was nearly two weeks before I got a call from him and I was wondering why it was taking so long. But mm-hmm. anyway, and, and he calls me up and he says, listen, he says, I've got some good news and I got some bad news. 
one of those kind of phone calls, and he's <laughs> well, okay. He wait a minute, wait a minute, good, wait a minute. Which one did you pick? The good news or the bad news first? Well, I, he didn't say. He just says, "I got the good news and the bad news," and he right off the bat says, "The good news." That's <laughs> what he says. Okay. First. He says the good news is he says you got melanoma, and I'm like melanoma, and that's good news. And he says, "Wait a minute now." He says. We think we got it all in that area around Mm. the incision. He said the peripheral area seemed to be clear of any cancer cells. So he says, that's good news. But he says, the bad news is it's very deep. And he says, deep on something they called the Clark scale of measurement with melanomas. He said, it's very deep, and therefore, we're going to call it a stage four and he said stage four is not the best kind, of course, to have. Right. He says this this stuff's probably going to spread somewhere else. But he says we just got to keep a real close eye on it. And and uh, you'll have to come in every three months or so. And we'll check, you know, your lymph nodes and, and uh, feel around and all that. That's all we know to do. And he says just go on about your life. Try not to worry. You know, go back to, you know, living your normal lifestyle. And he says, there's nothing, absolutely nothing else we can do. Well, after that, I was totally, totally a wreck and went into probably depression and anxiety and everything piled on each other at the same time. Sure. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And I started to, you know, dig for information and, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. This was over 30 years ago and didn't have the Internet. So I started to ask questions around and had a had a, a distant doctor friend that said that, you know, unfortunately, with with stage four melanoma, you'd be lucky to probably live three years or more. Wow. And I mean, that was like really a shock. Mm-hmm. So after that, I think I kind of thought my life was going to be over and I wasn't fun to be around. I lost my ambition because, uh, you know, I just, all I wanted to do was sit around and feel sorry for myself. Sure. Sure. And, well, it takes uh, over your life when you hear stuff like that. Oh, it was terrible. And, uh, it started to create issues in my marriage. Uh, my wife was not, uh, uh, used to seeing me this kind of guy. It was always kind of a happy-go-lucky guy and, and, you know, always busy doing, working, and I didn't even want to go to work anymore. So anyway, uh, before I knew it, um, uh, my my marriage kind of started to come to an end, and Hmm. after six months or so of this, and and I'd gone in to get checked out and, uh, you know, to get get these these, uh, three-month checkups and everything was checking out to be okay at that point. Okay. That's great. And, uh, after my wife left me, I think I just kind of felt like, you know, everything had come to an end and I didn't feel like there was much use of, of living at that point. But, uh, before I knew it, I found a lump in my growing, you know, it was like a size Mm -hmm. of a, a large marble, and uh, I thought I better go get it checked out. And, and uh, long story short, I ended up in the, the oncologist's office having him look at it. And he says to me, he says, well, 
I think we should go and see what it is. It's probably nothing, but you might have bumped yourself or whatever, and you know, lymph node swollen. But let's go in to make sure, and we'll we'll go in there and probably take it out and see what it is to make sure. He says if you if I could get you to check in the hospital first thing in the morning, you know. So I went in and checked in the hospital, and I got in the and the, uh, the recovery room after the surgery. And I knew I was in trouble because I had this huge incision, you know, this huge bandages all over my groin and a tube hanging out of my leg and everything. And I said, Mm. oh, my God, this can't be too good. And so the the doctor comes in um, and he says to me, he says, well, I'm sorry to tell you that this uh, cancer has spread to your uh, lymphatic system. Oh, boy. And he says, we removed all your lymph nodes in your groin area. He right. says we will uh, have to do a, a leg uh, limp uh, drainage pump on your leg, and you're going to have to, you know, elevate your leg and use this pump so that you don't. We don't want you to get lymphedema and end up losing your leg. So we're going to have to do that several hours every day, and this could go on for months. And he says uh, I want you to do also. Uh, 80 chemotherapy treatments, 80, which would be, yes, 80. And he said, this is experimental chemotherapy that I'm talking about. He says, you know, hypothermia back then was experimental. Mm-hmm. And he says, we'll do hypothermia. We'll elevate your temperature with typhoid serum. And then after that, we'll, we'll induce the chemotherapy through an IV. This will be an eight or 10 hour process. But we first got to get you through the surgery, and that'll be two or three weeks. And then after that, we'll we'll just keep you here in the hospital. So I'm there, and, uh, you know, it wasn't good news at all. And then he went on to tell me, because I asked him to tell me, I asked him what he thought my chances were. And uh, he says, well, he said, to be honest with you, I think you got a 20% chance of surviving three to five years. If if you can get through this uh, chemotherapy, you know if you can you know make it through those treatments. Yeah. So uh, possibly he, the chemo itself could have killed you. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the main thing. He's the way mm-hmm. he said it. It's like if you can get through these treatments. Okay. And he says uh, that's all we know to do and all that. So I of course now, I hey, was very depressed. Now James, I did want to point out something to you. Mm-hmm. You know, the book says I used to have cancer, and this ain't sounding yeah. so good. I know. So what changed? So what happened is is I became very desperate to find another way because I knew I didn't have a good outlook. So I started to pray, and I prayed hard. I prayed harder than I ever prayed because I got a call from a, a minister at a church and this minister called me out of the blue, and he said to me, "You got to fight like hell. I've been praying for you." Hmm. He says, "You know, you you cannot give in." You know, he gave me this pep talk. The guy was an ex baseball player, for uh, you know, major league baseball player, and he was a kind of. It was kind of one of those talks like you get in the locker room at halftime when you're losing. Sure. And he, he gave me this pep talk. And it made me want to start to pray after I hung up the phone with him. And I prayed. I mean, I prayed hard. And I felt like every cell in my body was praying. And the next thing that happened is after that prayer, uh, I got a knock on the door. 
and it was a friend of mine. This was like 20 or 30 minutes later. A friend of mine that I hadn't seen in seven and a half years comes through the door, and he has this article in his hand. It was about uh, a guy that had cured himself of, of cancer using a a diet called the macrobiotic diet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd never heard of that. I didn't even know anything about all this, you know. And and I knew right then that I was going to do this this because my friend, you know, came there and he was drawn to come there. He had found out about this through another friend, and I had him go get the book. Uh, that that this was a book review, and it talked about this guy, and his name was Dirk Benedict. And he was a guy that was on TV, actually, an actor that I knew of on the A-Team okay. back in those days. So I knew that if this guy could get well doing this crazy-sounding diet, then why couldn't I do it? So I felt this was from the higher place that I was supposed to do this, and no one had to even try to talk me into it. So I read everything I could. I got his book, had my friend get the book, and I got very excited. Now I started to believe that there was a better way, that I had some hope starting to build. I felt like you know my will was, was wanting to kick in. And the next day, I got another knock on the door. It's the funniest thing. In three days, I got three knocks on the door that that really influenced me and I think saved my life ultimately. And it was my stepmother that brought me a book about vitamin C and cancer. And, you know, it was by a guy by the name of Linus Pauling, which I know you know of. And uh, Linus Pauling wrote this book, and it was about – people that had terminal cancer that had done very well when they took high amounts of vitamin C. A lot of them stayed alive as long as they took the vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And I got very excited about that. And I said, I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to do the vitamin C. And uh, if it'll work for these people, then why won't it work for me? So I had this ammunition now and I was excited. And uh, the next day, here comes another knock on the door in the hospital, and it was uh, here comes the psychotherapist, psychotherapist from the the cancer ward. Right. He comes through the door. He says, "I've heard you were depressed. I've heard that you know you you weren't in a good place, and I would love to talk to you. Is that possible?" And I said, "Yes, you can, but I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of something called macrobiotics?" And he says, hold on a minute. He just took off for the door. I thought I was running him off or something. (laughs) He goes over to the door. (laughs) He runs over the door and he shuts the door tight. He comes back over and sits down next to me and uh, to my bed. And he says, "Uh, yes, I have heard of the macrobiotic diet, but I won't tell you anything until you promise that you will not let anybody know about our conversation. He says, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose uh, my pension. I've been here a long time. And I said, no problem, no problem. He went on to tell me, he said, look, this diet has helped a lot of people. He says, I have seen and heard a lot of good things about this diet. I even used it tried to use it myself, but he said it takes a lot of determination, takes a lot of work, and if you're willing to do it the right way, I think it can really help you. He said, but, he said, by the way, you don't even seem depressed that much. 
So I was starting to feel this this will kicking in and this belief kicking in. And after that, I knew this confirmed what I was going to do. I was going to do the vitamin C, the diet, and I would continue to do the chemotherapy. But uh, long story short, I ended up doing uh, eventually 10 chemotherapy treatments uh, and they weren't working very well. I was sick, just really sick. The right. doctor came in and told me, your body's not responding the way we had hoped. And he says, there's nothing else we know to do. And I asked him, would you do this if this was your son or daughter? And he'd say, absolutely. There's nothing else you can do. And then he went on to say, <laughs> you know, that, um, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate, but it's not your body's just uh, not able to handle the chemo, and that's all we will do. We'll just continue doing this. But I just felt so bad, and I asked the doctor, I said, you know, uh, what about vitamin C or a diet? Is there anything good for this? I mean, have you ever heard oh, of yeah, anything that, like I, this? I, this I, I bet you had a whole lineup for you. Oh, yeah. So he says right then, he says, None of that stuff works. He says, just forget about it. He says, you're wasting your time. Just like that. Mm-hmm. And that just made me get really mad really quick. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, you know, I said to him, well, I could die in here from all this chemotherapy because every night nearly somebody would die and they'd roll them down the hallway and they would die from pneumonia. And uh, and I'd hear about it. And and I said to him, I said, I could die in here. And he says, well, you know, we're all going to die someday. That's exactly what he said. And I raised up in that hospital bed, and I was very weak. And uh, I said to him, listen here, you SOB, if I could get out of this bed, I would tear you apart like that. And I mean, that doctor turned around. He walked out that door like he'd seen a ghost. I bet you he and did. And I never saw that doctor ever again. I never saw him again because – the two nights later, I snuck out of the hospital at two in the morning, and I literally crawled down the stairs at two in the morning when no one was stirring around. The nurses' station was basically no one was there, so I snuck down the hall, got down the stairway, and never looked back. And I only heard back from that doctor's office two years later to want to know if I was still alive, and uh, that was the last I heard of them. And I'd made up my mind right then that day that I was going to go to war with this cancer and I was going to change my diet. I was going to change my lifestyle. I was going to, you know, clean up everything. I was going to do it, you know, everything, you know, just to the T. I was going to do it. If it didn't work for me, it wasn't going to work for anybody else. And I was going to set the example and I wasn't going to look back. And I mean, that's been, uh, you know, over, almost 33 34 years so amazing amazing well and um it sounds like your your visitors uh had to have at least stirred some interest in another opportunity in another way and i have a feeling james that you have shared your story many a time with lots of people and have inspired many many people um so let me tell you something. I appreciate it. I noticed also in the book you do go into 
um, certain types of um, things you should stay away from. You also spend your time mm-hmm. dealing with specific nutrient patterns and even dosing levels that you use during your your treatment and your recovery of your condition. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. from the time you left the hospital and you adapted this new alternative method, including your spiritual life with your God mm-hmm. in a, a very aggressive level, level. I mean, it was... I think it's interesting how you said it. I I had all the cells in my body were felt like they were praying. We were all yes. praying. Yes. And and I think that says a lot because I think that's a lot of what it's about also, at least a contributing yeah. factor. So it is. <clears throat> I commend you in being able to detail these types of things. But from the time you snuck out of the hospital, since you said snuck, so we'll say you snuck out of the hospital to the time that you knew you were cancer free, when was it? Well, I knew pretty much, uh, you know, I was on the right track. Three months after I left that hospital, I started to feel like a different person. I was eating this food. I was taking all this vitamin C. I was taking 20,000 milligrams of vitamin C, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, spread out through the day. But uh, I was eating this, this very strict diet, very clean diet that was very detoxifying and it was very, very, uh, you know, good for elimination. So I just started to feel like high, high mm. on life, high on, on the food. Uh, I exercised, I did deep breathing. I did visualization. Uh, I learned how to meditate. I learned how to release the relief. I mean, relieve stress. I learned how to uh, live and think differently. It changed my life. It made me look at things differently. And, uh, you know, I just started to believe, really believe in everything. And I started to to put everything I could into my mouth that was Mm anti-cancer and and, uh, which helped to drive everything out of my body. This is what I feel and to detoxify. And, you know, and I started to supplement more, but at the beginning, I didn't know a lot about supplements. So I just mainly did my vitamin C, but, uh, you know, down the road, I learned a lot over the years, but, you know, it's amazing that once you start to believe, and I believe that this belief thing is 50% or more in, in healing and sometimes even more. And I think a lot of people, uh, can, you know, just become well, almost visualizing being well. It's amazing what can happen. I um, am here to tell you that I couldn't agree with you more, that um, there's a huge role of how we decide to live the life that we choose to live and how we decide to live it and how it affects our life. Mm -hmm. Now, may I ask before we run out of time, which is heading up pretty quickly, what are you doing now? How are you living? What, what do you? What's your jobs? What are you? What are you doing? Well, I, you know, I got interested. I was in the in the convenience store business and gas station, and I had, you know, uh, another oil field equipment rental business when I was young, and I was very ambitious. But now, you know, I I'm in the nutritional supplement business. I've been in this for 28 years. And I started a company called Unikey Health because I wanted to give back to people. Yeah. I wanted to to 
to share the things I had learned, you know, as far as detoxification, things like parasites, things like intestinal parasites that I discovered. And I wanted to to help as many people. So I've been doing this for many years. I also have started recently when I decided to do this book and my story after the 30-year anniversary, I decided that it was time to to get my story out there to try to help as many people as I could. So I started a nonprofit organization called Templeton Wellness and I'm interviewing people that have had late stage cancer, most of them stage four, that have been basically written off, a lot of them worse than I was, uh, that have been written off, you know, even pancreatic cancer people, which mm. is very, Two very tough cases, you yeah. know, yes. And people that have recovered for 10 years or more and are doing well, uh, they're thriving in life, and most of these people have you know, gotten involved in something that in some way or another helping others. But I've gotten involved with this and I've, I've interviewing as many people as I can. Uh, and I'm always looking for new people. And I've also started a, uh, restaurant, uh, guide. I have a restaurant guide that, that, uh, searches out for the very best restaurants in America, the healthiest, the organic, the, mm the non-GMO, the, the, you know, the healthiest five, four and five star rated restaurants in America. And I want people to know that a cancer diagnosis doesn't mean it's the end of your life. Right. It doesn't have to be a death sentence on all levels. It is a, it is a, a diagnosis that means you need to make changes. You need to get yourself back to balance before it's too late. And I believe as long as you believe, as long as there's a will and long as you don't give up, that that you can be around. You just got to understand what cancer is. You got to put everything in again that that detoxifies cancer. Everything in that helps to uh, you know uh, fight cancer. Uh, and then you've got to supplement also. So it's diet, detox, and supplementation, uh, prayer, visualization, uh, all that good stuff. And, you know, have a purpose. A purpose is so important to, to, to feel like that you're doing something for the good of humanity, the mm -hmm. good of others, to take your example. And uh, there's a reason that we, I believe, there's a reason that I had to go through this. Yep. And it pretty much destroyed my life back then, I thought. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason. It's been very, very, uh, you know, uh, good for me. Mm -hmm. It's been uh, something I feel like was probably my calling in life. But sounds like uh, it, you know, it sounds it like you give you a sounds like you yeah okay. <laughs> it sounds like you have a much richer, uh, more full life than you could have ever yes. decided or ever thought of if you didn't go through it. And I, and I'm sorry that you had to go through it, but I'm thankful that yeah. you have recovered. So the book I yeah. used to have cancer, how I found my way. Uh, found my own way back to health by James Templeton. Um, uh, James, is there any um, um, internet site that you want to give the listeners before we close? Well, they can go to Templeton Wellness and check out the things that we're doing on there. And they can also go to IUSEDToHaveCancer.com if they want to get some free downloads. And these downloads are my five top 
supplements that I believe are very important for fighting and preventing cancer. And also, I feel that uh, it's important to eat healthy. So I give you 10 recipes, top recipes that I enjoy on a regular basis. And I also give you a schedule, my schedule, things that I do on a regular basis, things I do from the morning till at night. And, you know, just to stay healthy, you know, to prevent this this uh, dreaded diagnosis that that one out nearly one out of two of us are going to have in our lifetime which is unfortunate i agree thank you so much for coming on mr templeton we really appreciate it here at the humanian health podcast and um, we'll look forward to having you back on your next book thank you so much dr sean it's been a pleasure and uh, you have a wonderful day Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com.